from deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2022. It's a year full of twos, we know that. Everything else is up for grabs, but year full of twos. Um, I, I don't often, I don't know if I ever really come out and express like an opinion, like, you know, the yakkers do. Um, but I, I feel constrained to start the year by giving some advice to the President of the United States. Now, I, I, I choose him because I know he's not listening, but he should. And um, th- But that's not the opinion. The, the opinion follows thusly. Get the hell off TV, sir. And I say that with the, with this, with the sir, with the respect that is em, embodied in the sir. Um, why do I say that? Well, I got time to fill, but it seems to me, A, he's not really very good at it. And that's usually a reason to get off TV, although I can name some exceptions. But... um. And there's there's three things that make me say he's not very good on TV. There's the, during every TV speaking appearance that I've seen him do, there's the little, little, almost imperceptible, except not, scratch near the eye. I believe it's the left eye. There's the almost imperceptible, but not little scratch beside the mouth. I mean, do the scratching before you go on TV would be. Um, so that's one. Uh, there's two, which is he does seem to be burdened by <clears throat> a almost um, compulsion to <clears throat> clear his throat while he's talking to us. A little distracting, little gets me off the off the plot. But it's the squinting, ladies and gentlemen. It's just the damn squinting. You you squinting on TV, just not in the book, not in the great book of how to be on TV. Get glass, get the man glasses, get the man larger type on the teleprompter. But, you know, here's the reason, real reason, because, as I say, there are people who aren't good on TV who have a lovely career there. But my theory of the 2020 election not the one you normally hear, is that um, the United States is made up of a, of a public which doesn't want to spend all that much time focusing on national politics. You know, we'll, we'll pay attention between Labor Day and Election Day of an election year, but then leave us alone for a while, please, maybe. And the previous president violated that rule flagrantly and daily. He demanded, for his own psychological reasons, that we pay attention to him constantly. And my theory of the case was that Joe Biden represented, basically, elect me and I'll leave you alone for a while. And he's not. He's on TV like two or three times a week. Put out press releases, let the redheaded lady explain what's going on. Just, sir, please. Get off TV. Um, that's really all I've got at this opening segment of the show, except to say, 
to um, my lovely, talented wife, Judith Owen, a very happy birthday. And to the rest of you, hello, welcome to the show. I am not such a clever one about the latest facts. I admit I was never one adored by local lads. Not that I ever try to be a saint. I'm the type that they classify as quaint I'm old-fashioned I love the moonlight I love the old-fashioned things the sound of Upon a window pane, the starry song that April sings. This year's fancies are passing fancies, but sighing sighs, holding hands. From New Orleans, Louisiana, where it's just stopped stopped being summertime for a little bit. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've got the ultra modern knack of getting oil from the deepest crack. So give the boys just a bit of slack. 
Well, now, big new earthquake in uh, Texas. Texas. They don't have a lot of earthquakes there, or they didn't used to before fracking. This was uh, 4.5 magnitude this past week in the Permian Basin, where the fracking fracking lives. It's likely, according to Reuters, to add pressure on oil producers in the region to slow or stop underground wastewater injections. Those injections are what regulators believe are causing the earthquakes. You know, shooting wastewater deep underground where the um, where the plates are, not the you know not the guy spinning them, the uh, ones that rub up against each other and cause earthquakes. This was the third largest to hit Texas this decade. It occurred near Stanton. You know where that is? No, you don't. I don't. It was the latest in a surge of temblers. <laughs> they occur in surges, don't they? Linked to the disposal of wastewater, a byproduct of oil and gas production. See, wastewater injection can change pressures around fault lines. It uh, comes shortly after the State Railroad Commission, which, for reasons I have never understood, regulates the oil industry, halted the injection of water into deep wells in an area northwest of Midland amid the jump in seismicity. You don't want your seismicity jumping, I guess is the lesson there. The commission, the Railroad Commission, which regulates oil, it's Texas, what do you want? Said it had been in contact with disposal well operators in the affected area of the Permian Basin and is sending inspectors. That'll do her. A suspension of injections of wastewater around the epicenter of the quake could impact some 18 active wells that dispose, um, oh, I don't even, barrels per day, BPD? Anyway, the affected area has a higher utilization of deep disposal, that means shooting water deep underground, 50% higher than other areas in the permanent basis, basin, Sorry, according to the water data and analytics firm B3 Insight. Could have been H2O, but you know. Permian oil operators are already looking for ways to reduce wastewater injections after the oil regulator, that is the Railroad Commission, began imposing limits. Solutions include recycling the wastewater. Well, why didn't I think of that? Or even better, trucking it elsewhere. Well, that doesn't add to um, carbon usage or anything like that. That's that's a really trucking it elsewhere. Where, where are you going to do with it when it gets there? If they're not able to do that, but they may have to have no other choice than to shut these wells and choke production, says the vice president of oil field services research for another consultancy, adding that halting production is a last resort. Well, it always is for everything. That's the that's that's why it's called America, isn't it? Because we we hate to halt production of anything. It's just the the nature of this land we live in. What, what the frack? That's all you can say, really, at the end of that. But now, news of our friend the Adam. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, safe, too safe to meet. Safe, safe, too safe. Well, 
when you can't solve a problem, even by trucking it away, you could just redefine it. The Biden administration has affirmed a Trump administration interpretation of high-level radioactive waste that is based on the waste's radioactivity rather than how it was produced. The Associated Press reports the Department of Energy announced last week that it's reinterpreting high-level radioactive waste or maintaining that reinterpretation. So some radioactive waste from nuclear weapons production stored in Idaho, Washington, and South Carolina could be reclassified and moved for permanent storage elsewhere. The elsewhere is yet to be determined, of course, because we don't have a place for permanent storage of nuclear high-level waste. But we do have a place for non-high-level waste, so maybe read After extensive policy and legal assessment, DOE, Department of Energy, affirmed that the interpretation is consistent with the law, guided by the best available science and data, and the views of members of the public and scientific community were considered in its adoption, unquote. That sounds like a bit of legalese, the department said to the Associated Press this week. The affirmation of the new interpretation came after various groups offered letters of support and opposition after Biden became president. Biden has, of course, reversed Trump policy in other areas. The policy has to do with the nuclear waste generated from the reprocessing of spent nuclear fuel to build nuclear bombs. That's some big-time waste. Such waste previously has been characterized as high-level. The new interpretation applies to waste that includes such things as sludge, slurry. (laughs) Which is your favorite, sludge or slurry? Come on, you must choose. Liquid, debris, and contaminated equipment. But again, sludge and slurry. The agencies that are making disposal decisions based on radioactivity characteristics rather than how it became radioactive could allow the Energy Department to focus on other high-priority cleanup projects, as well as reduce how long radioactive waste is stored at Energy Department facilities and increase safety for workers, communities, and the environment. Yeah, I'll be setting my watch for that, and I don't wear a watch. The department noted the approach is supported by the Blue Ribbon Commission on America's Nuclear Future. You didn't know either. It was formed during the Obama administration. The department identified three sites where waste is being stored that will be affected by the new interpretation. Idaho, part of the National Laboratory there, in Washington, Hanford, that's the decommissioned nuclear site that produced plutonium for nuclear bombs. I'm sure that they'd love that to be re- redefined. Not really high level. No. In South Carolina, it's stored at the Savannah River site home of the National Laboratory. The department, in its statement to the AP, says it is committed to using science-driven solutions to continue to achieve success in tackling the environmental legacy of decades of nuclear weapons production and government-sponsored nuclear energy research, unquote. Hail success. Hail that success now, won't you? The agency also made public a draft environmental assessment based on the new interpretation to move some contaminated equipment from Savannah River to a commercial low-level radioactive waste disposal facility located in another state, possibly in Texas or Utah. Congratulations, Texas or Utah. We know you'll have a ball with uh, with that new lower-level 
waste. The uh, agency had, using the new interpretation, approved moving up to 10,000 gallons of wastewater from Savannah River, some already going to Texas. The nation, as you know, has no permanent storage for high-level nuclear waste. Reclassifying some of the high-level waste under the new interpretation means it can be legally sent to commercial facilities for storing waste deemed deemed less radioactive. The uh, head of the Union of Concerned Scientists said that his group agreed radioactive waste should be classified using technical analysis rather than a legal definition, but he also said any decision made under this new interpretation has to be backed up by solid analysis and a strong commitment to public health and safety and environmental protection. He is concerned the new interpretation could hinder development of permanent storage for high-level radioactive waste. I don't know how you can hinder it more. It, it's, uh, we may not ever have self-driving cars, but we have self-hindering permanent nuclear waste storage. And also on the subject of our friend the Atom, A, um, a power plant being a, a, a building in, in Georgia, it's called Votel, V-O-G-T-L-E. Crews there early this year were struggling to find leaks in a pool built to hold spent fuel, which itself is highly radioactive. They added air pressure under the floor of the pool, hoping air bubbles would pinpoint flawed works. Sorry, flawed welds. Didn't work. So an engineer doubled the air pressure. Good idea, buddy. The pool steel floor plates were damaged, rendering them unusable. New ones had to be manufactured. The, check, the fixes and rechecks of the pool have taken nearly a year and cost millions of dollars. It's been that kind of year at the plant. The expansion project was supposed to be close to completion. A series of missteps and botched jobs in recent months have led to more cost overruns, further delays, and fresh worries about quality and oversight is all. Project has had setbacks almost since it began, but the 2021 revelations highlight how widespread the problems have become. This is according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And there are fresh contentions that Georgia Power may have tried to uh, hide the project's rising costs so that work would be allowed to continue. The for-profit monopoly utility has consistently underestimated costs of the expansion. But that's okay because... Georgia Power's 2.6 million customers are already paying the utility for the costs of the financing of the project, and they're going to see their electric bills rise more for the construction and possibly be hit with additional increases because of the latest problems. So don't shed a tear for the utility. They're okay. As is our friend the Adam. And now... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole III. We are so close to the Winter Olympics in Beijing. The United States has declared a diplomatic boycott 
on those games because of uh, human rights problems in China. Some other Western countries have joined, I think the U.K. and France. But World Athletics President Sebastian Coe says he takes human rights very seriously, but that the diplomatic boycott of the Winter Games is, quote, meaningless. Ask an ex-runner what's meaningful. Australia and Canada also. Diplomatic boycott. China dismisses it as political posturing. Coe drew criticism over his comments when he said, he was philosophically opposed to boycotts. Boycotts on balance are historically illiterate and intellectually dishonest. A political boycott is frankly meaningless. Tell that to the South Africans, buddy. That's not to be an apologist for countries that do not conform to the basic standards around human rights, Coe added. I'm not insouciant or cavalier about human rights. I take them very seriously. I don't think over the long haul boycotts actually achieve a great deal. At the end of the day, the people that suffer most and all that are the athletes, unquote. So he's representing. Bright yellow turbines are lining the slopes of the Beijing Winter Olympics, spraying out the artificial snow needed for the Games to take place, according to Ajaxos. Man-made snow has been used to varying degrees since the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. But February's Beijing Games will depend almost entirely on artificial snow because they're happening. The games have been sited in one of the driest parts of China. That was a good idea. Organizers are racing to coat the pistes in high-quality snow. It is Ajans French press, after all. A vast and complex task that critics say is environmentally unsustainable. Fed by local reservoirs, about 300 turbines known as snow guns, not show guns, mix water with compressed air before propelling the droplets into the air to form snow. Workers then use truck-like vehicles called snowcats to spread the snow onto the mountains and sculpt jumps and turns. Venues must ensure the snow meets precise standards of depth, hardness, and consistency. Variations in the snowmaking process can cause snow quality to be too hard in some places and too soft in others, which could be dangerous for the athletes, said the deputy chief of mountain operations at the National Alpine Skiing Center in Yangging. He's representing, too. And the Tokyo 2020 Games Organizing Committee provided financial details of their games committee managed to save money when compared to the December 2020 version of the budget. Much of this was possible because no spectators. The organizing committee needed less manpower. The real result was that the eventual cost of the games was twice the original budget. It's it's a movement. The, the, the costs have to move. It's a movement. And um, we all need one every day. Yes, just twice the original budget, ladies and gentlemen, if you're keeping track. Now I'm going to, um, I'm not going to connect any dots here, but I am just going to remind you 
of some of them that you may have um, not quite kept track of. These are dots in connection with uh, a fellow by the name of Jeffrey Epstein and uh, his gal pal, Ghislaine Maxwell. First of all, she is the daughter of a former British press lord, Lord, (laughs) press lord, uh, who died mysteriously in the midst of financial troubles when he fell off his yacht. I said he fell off his yacht. Uh, She then, some years later, took up as a first as a girlfriend and then as an aide to Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein was a financial advisor to, among other people, the head of a, at one point, very successful clothing chain called The Limited. Um, But it was never quite clear why Epstein was um, the beneficiary of so much lucre from that former head of the Limited. Uh, He basically turned over all his business affairs to Jeffrey Epstein to run, which Jeffrey Epstein did. But he had another thing to run, as you may remember. It was a, uh, a transportation system for young girls to his various homes in New York City and New Mexico and on a private island in the Caribbean. Now, he was brought to justice for that operation, if you put the word justice in eh, probably three sets of quotation marks. Uh, He was prosecuted for prostitution in Florida by a U.S. attorney by the name of Alex Acosta. Now, Mr. Acosta, while he prosecuted Jeffrey Epstein, when Epstein was found guilty, Mr. Acosta gifted Jeffrey Epstein with what was called a sweetheart deal in terms of his sentence. He was sentenced to stay at home except for 12 hours a day when he could go to work. Sounds like life. Um, And um, Mr. Acosta, shortly afterwards, about eight years afterwards, was rewarded by then-President Donald Trump with the job of Secretary of Labor. If that's a reward. Hard to say. Um, Mr. Epstein was released from his sentence five months early. And um, started his old life again in terms of the people he hung out with. He hung out with a lot of famous and rich people, a couple of presidents or ex-presidents, a Mr. Clinton and a Mr. Trump. Uh, as you probably do remember, he was later prosecuted. In 2019, he was prosecuted again, or he was charged with some crimes in connection with the uh, transporting of younger women to various locations for sexual activity, voluntary or otherwise. 
And shortly after he was jailed, he was reported to have killed himself in jail. He, yes, he was on a watch. He was on a suicide watch, you would think. But there was a little mystery attached to that. The guards who were supposed to have been watching him on the night in question were not on duty. They falsified the reports claiming that they checked in on him when, in fact, they didn't. They were otherwise engaged. This week, in the uh, welter of excitement and fear, you may have missed the news. U.S. prosecutors decided to end their criminal case against those two Manhattan jail guards, filing on the day before New Year's Eve, when everybody would be noticing, federal court prosecutors asked the judge to dismiss the claims after both guards complied with a six-month deferred prosecution agreement they agreed to in May. Usually only big companies get those kind of agreements. The two guards were accused of falling asleep and surfing the Internet that night rather than checking in on Epstein every 30 minutes to prevent the hanging. Both admitted to having willfully and knowingly falsified records to make it seem they were monitoring him properly. Their deferred prosecution agreements required they each perform 100 hours of community service and cooperate with a federal probe arising from his death. Is that sending a message to Ghislaine Maxwell, who was found guilty this week and is now under some kind of guard in jail? Is she drawing some kind of lesson from that other than the possibility that she's going to be called Ghislaine for the rest of her life behind bars? Not known at this time. Another story that you may have missed in, in relation to all this, when Ghislaine Maxwell was found guilty of five of the six counts that she was charged with in connection with the transport of young women to uh, the various homes of Jeffrey Epstein, the BBC covered the story, and for reaction and analysis had as, I think, their first guest... Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz had represented Jeffrey Epstein. And that fact was not made public, not made known to the viewers of the BBC. It later said its interview with Dershowitz was, quote, not suitable, unquote. It said it was investigating Dershowitz has also been accused of sexual crimes by Virginia Jufri, who also claims she was abused by Epstein, Maxwell, and Prince Andrew. They uh, vehemently deny any wrongdoing. The interview on the BBC News Channel introduced Dershowitz as a constitutional lawyer, made no reference to his links to those involved in the case. He used the airtime to denigrate Virginia Jufri, who has accused him of some of, some of the same, some of the Epstein-related activities. 
The BBC's statement said last night's interview with Alan Dershowitz after the Ghislaine Maxwell verdict did not meet the BBC's editorial standards, as Mr. Dershowitz was not a suitable person to interview as an impartial analyst, and we did not make the relevant background clear to our audience. We will look into how this happened. Unquote. This is BBC Newsreel. I'm Chris Albright. One man who knows Alan Dershowitz better than most, though not as well as many, served as his client two-plus decades ago. That's when Dershowitz served as part of a so-called dream team that earned O.J. Simpson an acquittal in his widely viewed murder trial. Mr. Simpson is on the line now from Florida. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Mr. Simpson, some now many years later, how do you view Alan Dershowitz? Well, Chris, I was around show business for years. You, you know, you get to know a lot of Jewish people in that line of work, and I never met a more hard-ass Jewish person than Hirsch. I mean, he didn't just take off all their, you know, special holidays, but the days leading up to them. I used to tell Johnny Cochran, Alan's got to be going to heaven with all the extra praying he's doing. <laughs> At least I think it was praying. Of course, attorneys, especially successful ones, take on a wide range of clients. Did he ever talk to you about his other clients, particularly Jeffrey Epstein? Well, he, he did call me up once from <laughs> from the private island. He said, Juice, this is what you need, some place where you do exactly what you like with who you like, or something like that. And did he tell you what he was doing there? Well, he told me they had the slickest floor shuffleboard setup he'd ever seen. I mean, pucks that lit up as they slid up and down the board, stuff like that. He said, Juice, you could have a ball calling these games. You know, he, he was kidding and all. Uh, I only ever covered football. I, I tried covering a baseball game. I called one once on a on a dare from Howard Cosell. Obviously, since he helped you get acquitted, one can assume you admire Mr. Dershowitz? Admire him. I still owe him money. But do you think he would be an objective observer of the trial of Mr. Epstein's alleged partner in crime? Well, I'll tell you this. Durst will tell you exactly what he thinks. He's not a guy who shaves off the sharp edges to be nice or anything. He once told me I ought to buy the property Cato Kalin was renting so I could evict him. He said, Juice, even the people renting near you need to be classy. I mean, that's how much he cares about his clients. So if you were the BBC, you would have no problem interviewing him about the Maxwell verdict? Hey, Chris, I've known a lot of smart lawyers, you know, for uh, contracts and uh, other stuff. And uh, Alan's one of the smartest. He'll tell you so himself. Former footballer O.J. Simpson on the line from Florida. Thank you for joining us on the Newsweek. My problem. I mean, no pleasure. Choking under salt and dirty sand 
This is the show from uh, New Orleans. Yeah, I just had to check, look around. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, some news for the go- of the godly. A retired priest of the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia. He Here's his background. For seven years, he oversaw the diocese's program on protecting minors from clerical sexual abuse. That was his job. He's now been indicted on two counts of sexually abusing a minor. Irony ain't dead. It's uh, on life support, but a trial uh, scheduled next October for Father Terry Specht. Specht, re, no, no re, just Specht. He lives in Donegal, Pennsylvania. He was the director of the diocese's offer of tra- uh, office, not offer, well, yeah, offer of child protection from 2004 to 2011. So he got to know you should pardon the expression, the lay of the land. And now... It's a 
Well, you no doubt have been uh, inundated like everybody else with publicity about the onset or the outbreak of 5G cellular telephone service. Tom? Yeah. Um, and you may have even bought a phone advertising that it was capable of receiving 5G telephone service and not aware, as I wasn't, that they haven't turned it on yet. They, were, they AT&T and Verizon, were fixing to turn it on shortly, January 5th, day before Insurrection Day. But au contraire, the United States Transportation Secret- Secretary Pete Buttigieg and the head of the FAA have asked AT&T and Verizon to delay turning on 5G. Why? Aviation safety concerns. What? In a letter seen by Reuters, Buttigieg and the FAA administrator asked AT&T's chief executive and Verizon's chief executive for a delay of no more than two weeks as part of a proposal as a near-term solution, that is short-term, for advancing the coexistence of 5G deployment in the C-band, that's a band of frequencies, and safe flight operations, unquote. The aviation industry and the FAA have raised concerns about potential interference of 5G with sensitive aircraft electronics, such as radio altimeters, that could disrupt flights. They just let the plane and the pilot know. Uh, the pa- plane, does, plane knows. The pilot know the altitude. That's all. Quote, we ask that your companies continue to pause introducing commercial C-band service for an additional short period of no more than two weeks. Verizon and AT&T both said they received the letter and are reviewing it. Hmm. Gee, this second paragraph looks interesting here. The two companies accused the aerospace industry of seeking to hold C-band spectrum deployment hostage until the wireless industry agrees to cover the costs of upgrading any obsolete altimeters, that is to say, altimeters that have been in use all along, but would be rendered obsolete by the new setup. For those of you um, who aren't familiar with it, there are various bands of the radio frequency spectrum. C-band was originally, well, I don't know if originally, but it certainly for a long period of time was the band of frequencies used for satellite video transmissions. When people are via satellite, they were on C-band. Then another band opened up, and um, the FCC realized they could make a, well, I think they made about 84 billion, million, billion, million uh, from uh, auctioning off that now uh, available part of C-band for 5G. It is, as far as I understand, the lower frequency band of 5G. There are two that were auctioned off for 5G. The lower band is receivable or will be by most people in most places, but it's, according to the early reports, not that much faster than 4G. The faster band is a higher band, 
and it's less accessible, that is to say, those signals don't always penetrate, wait for it, buildings. The FAA and the aviation industry would identify priority airports where a buffer zone would permit aviation operations to continue safely, while the FAA continues the assessments of the interference potential. That's uh, from the letter by Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Buttigieg and uh, the head of the FAA. The uh, commercial C-band service would begin as planned in January with certain exceptions around priority airports. The government would work to identify mitigations for all priority airports to enable most large commercial aircraft to operate safely in all conditions. Most, eh? That would allow deployment around priority airports on a rolling basis, aiming to ensure activation by March 31st, barring unforeseen issues. The carriers, yes, it's billion, $80 billion government auction, previously agreed to precautionary measures for six months to limit interference. After that, hey, we're on our own. This week, the trade group Airlines for America asked the FCC to halt deployment of the wireless service around many airports, warning thousands of flights could be disrupted. Quote, the potential damage to the airline industry alone is staggering, unquote. Airlines for America. All right, then. It's a uh, smart, 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 smart world. And now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just a report from the uh, inspectors general among us. A former senior official of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration improperly gave preferential treatment to a pharmaceutical company that was seeking a quota increase so it could manufacture more drugs, according to the Justice Department's Inspector General. Michael Horowitz said the unnamed official misused his or her official position by giving preferential treatment to the pharmaceutical company and pressured subordinates to approve the quota increase. The increase was requested by a second unnamed former DEA, Drug Enforcement Official, who worked for the company, the report said. Oh. Revolving door, eh? Mm, revolving door, eh? The former DEA official at the heart of the watchdog's internal probe also apparently planned to work for the pharmaceutical company upon retirement. Mm, revolving door, eh? And lacked candor with the DEA's Office of Chief Counsel in disclosing those plans. He misused the senior official's position at DEA by giving preferential treatment to a request by the pharmaceutical company that employed the former DEA official the senior DEA official pressured and directed subordinates to approve the request. The spokesperson for the DEA did not have any immediate comment on the findings. He was busy getting high. Ladies and gentlemen, news of Inspector General. Except for that last remark, it's a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. The French car manufacturer Citroën has withdrawn an advertisement featuring the European, sorry, the Egyptian singer Amour Diab after it sparked widespread accus accusations of promoting the harassment of women. In the ad posted on Egyptian social media, 
The 60-year-old pop star uses a camera installed in the car's rearview mirror to secretly take a picture of a woman crossing in front of the vehicle. She does not give her consent to the photograph, but Diab is seen smiling at the image as it pops up on his phone. He then invites the woman to join him in the car. The advert was criticized on social media in Egypt. 90% of the women aged between 18 and 39 there report having been harassed in a single year. Taking a picture of a woman without her consent is creepy, said a women's rights activist in Egypt. Criticism online has continued of Diab, a megastar in the Arab world, for his part in the advert and failure to apologize, but Citroën said it had removed the advert. We've been made aware that a scene had been perceived as inappropriate. We take the decision to withdraw this version of the commercial, and we present our sincere apologies to all offended communities by this film. Deadline Detroit. Wayne County Executive Warren Evans and his Chief of Staff Stephen Grady Muhammad had joked on social media about a sexist gag gift, a fake TV remote to control a woman that includes buttons for food, sex, moaning, beer, cleaning, calming down, breast size, and stripping. Stripping. He wrote on his personal f- Facebook page, did Chief of Staff Mohammed, Fellas, get yours today, forty nine ninety five. Evans responded on Facebook, Gotta have fast forward and free batteries. The repost has seven shares and 59 comments from both men and women joining on the joke, mostly. A Detroit civil rights and employment attorney this public sharing of the mock device by an elected official is egregious and possibly revealing. But um, Tuesday evening, Evans, the uh, Wayne County executive, issued a statement. In hindsight, I should not have commented, and I can see where people could have taken my comment as inappropriate. I apologize to anyone who I may have offended. That's a who-pology. And it should have been a whom-pology. Ireland's Department of Foreign Affairs has apologized for a gathering that took place apparently in breach of restrictions at the time last June. Actually, June, June and a half ago, June 2020. Neil Burgess, who was Secretary General at the time, since been made Ireland's ambassador to France, tweeted a selfie from the gathering, deleted the tweet afterwards, The Irish Independent reports at least 20 senior officials and staff from the Department of Foreign Affairs threw a champagne party in breach of public health guidelines during a strict national guideline last year. Spokesperson for the department has now said the department did not meet the standards expected of it with this gathering, and we are sorry that it happened. may recall a similar thing happened this past December with the British Prime Minister. It's like a thing over there. A Lafayette, Louisiana City Court judge resigned this week over a video that surfaced earlier this month showing people using racist language at her home. Michelle Oudinet apologized and took a leave of absence after the video became public. It showed surveillance footage played on a television at her house of an outdoor altercation with a burglary suspect as the unseen spectators watched the video. They comment on the footage while repeatedly using a racial slur, according to CNN. I take full responsibility for the hurtful words I used to describe the individual who burglarized the vehicles at my home, Odine wrote 
in her resignation letter. After much reflection and prayer, and in order to facilitate healing in the community, I hereby resign as judge of the Lafayette City Court, effective immediately. Police have sent a written letter of apology to the family of ex-footballers Dalian Atkinson, six, month after, six months after an officer who tasered him and kicked him in the head was jailed for manslaughter. This is in Britain. West Mercia's chief constable, Pippa Mills, said she was deeply sorry. A police op- a uniform does not grant officers immunity to behave unlawfully or to abuse their powers. Police uh, Constable Benjamin Monk's conviction was the first for a death in custody in 30 years. A North Carolina police chief, speaking of which, was placed on unpaid leave after he reportedly told officers about a self-vaccination clinic where they could get COVID-19 vaccine cards even if they didn't take the vaccine, according to local TV outlet WBTV. The town administrator, Doug Burgess, sent the police chief a letter that said, that is, uh, Oakboro Police Chief T.J. Smith, saying the reported advice violated personnel policies. The police chief was based on two-week unpaid leave. Uh, Smith said he made a mistake in a statement to a local TV station. He said he got a call from a friend about what was described as a self-vaccination clinic and called two other officers with that information. I didn't give it much thought. I just passed it on, he said. He added he wasn't very knowledgeable on vaccines. He had received his own two shots in the spring. Quote, I'm owning that it was a mistake and I shared information. That's true. I wanted to say something about this before now, but with everything going on, it was best that I wait for the investigative process to conclude. I just try to help people where I can, and I passed on something that in hindsight I shouldn't have. I didn't profit from it. I couldn't possibly profit from it. And I didn't do it. <clears throat> pardon me. I didn't do it from a place of malice. I care deeply about others. And I sincerely appreciate that I have a job. that. Well, he's sorry. Anyway. He's sorry. And he wants everyone to know it. And finally. Apple put Foxconn tele- uh, Technology Group's factory in southern India, on probation following worker protests and investigations that revealed substandard living condition. Foxconn, which uses the facility to assemble iPhones among other gadgets, apologized for the lapses in health standards and pledged to revamp its management and operations in the country. The factory, located in Sriparumbudur, Sriparumbudur, on the outskirts of Chennai, were shut down after the protests and will resume operations once necessary improvements are made. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's edition of the show. And back next week, same time, same radio station, and uh, on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. And we just like having um, a couple of guards on Suicide Watch, where Ghislaine is located. Be just like that if you'd agree to join with me then, would you? Already, thank you very much. Uh huh. Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk at Pam Halstead for help with today's broadcast, as well as Thomas Walsh here at WWNO-FM. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, not many left, and the playlist of the music here on, only a small fraction of the delights awaiting you at harryshearer.com, and me, still on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. Pronouncing isn't easy, but changes. So long from the Crescent City. And Happy New Year!